Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. Got a uh, great Friday show for you. It is the return of Mailbag Friday, the people's holiday, some are calling it. Uh, we'll take some mailbag questions and then get to uh, picks with LB's Greg before the uh, for NFL wild card weekend. So a lot of different stuff to get to today. Uh, pretty decent response from the listeners. First mailbag Friday we pulled out, I think, since the beginning of football season. We usually retire it during the fall just because there's a whole lot going on. Uh, people seem to be interested in the whole uh, SEC football schedule uh, every week thing. So We'll uh, bring it back, probably do it most Fridays through the end of the year. We'll see how it goes. But a decent allotment of questions. I will give the listeners credit for uh, the first one back in a while. Took some coaxing, but we got some good questions in there, and I appreciate that. So with those, get to Greg and uh, get out of here and get on with our weekend. Before we get to that, though, I wanted to remind you the podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox matrix interval and advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the industry. Legendary weekend from Skybox last weekend. Over 50 units, I believe 56 units was the total in two days. Just one of those weekends you dream about doesn't really happen very often, particularly if you're not using Skybox. So congrats to those guys over there on an awesome weekend. You need to check them out. Hopefully most of you listening profited. They're going to have a picks package to fit your price range. Just check them out, skyboxsportspick.com. Check out the packages, whether that's daily, monthly, go for all sports, maybe sports-centric, whatever you're feeling, they're going to have something that fits your budget, and they're the most consistent way to lead you to profit. Check them out. They got free plays on the website this weekend. The NFL card is getting sent sometime today. It might already be out as of this recording, but you need to go sign up and cash in. You don't want the man uh, asking where the money is on Sunday night, Monday morning. That's how you get the scaries if you don't already have them. You need to be asking him where your supplementary income is. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast also brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Go see Greg. We have breaking news on the podcast about LB's and uh, what the uh, future of LB's looks like. So stay tuned for that at the end. Um, not sure how actually secretive that was. I just found out live on the podcast. Exciting news for LB's coming. If you're a Rippy Rights subscriber, at rippyrights.substack.com. You get a free newsletter from me three to five times a week and discounted meats at LB's. Right now it's a 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. Just go in there and show Greg proof of subscription. Then go find your own favorites. Lane Train Special, Keith Carter Special, all kinds of good stuff. Bacon wrap filet, fresh seafood, sausages. Love the uh, ribeye burgers. I, uh, ribeye sausage, I should say, filet burgers, uh, two, two of my favorites, crab stuffed mushrooms. Check them out. Go find your favorites. It's the best place in Mississippi to get meat. All right, let's get to your mailbag questions. We had quite a few today. I'll probably have a co-host every, uh, every so often to help me sift through these mailbag Friday questions. Uh, Colin Brister, our baseball uh, correspondent here, usually helps me. I'll probably get Bracken to do some stuff. We'll have Bracken back on on Sunday to uh, discuss everyone's favorite topic, and that's Ole Miss's basketball team. But anyway, uh, we're rolling solo today. Where do I want to start on this? Hayes checking in. Hayes doubly checking in. What is more likely, eight and four in football or Omaha for baseball? Oh, 
at first it seems obvious, but I guess it's really not. That's actually a pretty decent question. I'm going to go eight and four in football because if you look at the way the schedule sets up, there's a decent chance that Ole Miss starts six and zero. I don't know if you guys have pulled up Ole Miss's 2022 football schedule. Um, it's basically the four non-conference games: Kentucky and Vanderbilt, and then they finish with the West. So they finish with the other six West opponents. So you go Troy, Central Arkansas at Georgia Tech. I guess that game could get weird, but Georgia Tech was awful last year. Home for Tulsa, home for Kentucky at Vanderbilt. I mean, that's five and one at worst. And I feel like you really, really feel – I feel like Ole Miss will feel as if they let one slip away if they aren't 6-0 and because I don't know what Kentucky brings back next year. They should be pretty competitive. But that game is in Oxford at the start of October. And then, I mean, so help you God if you lose at Vanderbilt. And then I don't really know what to make of Georgia Tech. But you get the point there's a decent chance they start 6-0. and And then you get Auburn at home, and then you go back-to-back at LSU, at Texas A&M. That's going to be tough. Do you lose both? Eh, good chance. Do you split? There's definitely a, certainly a chance of that. And then you get a bye, Alabama at home, at Arkansas, and the Egg Bowl. So, like, if you strike, take care of business all the way up until October 15th game against Auburn that you get at home, you're telling me they can't find two more wins on there between – I mean, how just the home games are Auburn, Alabama, that one probably be tough breaking news there, and State. And then, you know, just don't go 0-3 on the road at LSU, at Texas A&M, at Arkansas. I don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for Ole Miss. There's still a lot to be decided there. But I think they return enough to where 8-4 and four seems reasonable. You know, when people talk about a step back with this team and everything it loses off the 2021 team – I think that's more so shaped around the idea that could Ole Miss like repeat that and have success and you know Ole Miss didn't really contend for the West this year because of the way the Alabama game fell and all that, but kind of be in the mix toward the top of the West. That to me, when you talk about is Ole Miss going to be able to replicate things next year, is kind of the conversation. I don't think people are overly concerned about Ole Miss going seven and five, eight and four. I think eight and four and like I think that's a reasonable range. You know, if they slip all the way to six and six, there's something. Something bad happened there in that sense, I guess, just from the standpoint of, um, I mean, you had to lose to someone who on paper, or at least two people on paper, you figure you could beat. So I'll go eight and four just because I don't know much about this baseball pitching staff, right? That's the other side of the coin here. How healthy is Derek Diamond? What are the Gaddis, the Juco kid like? Who, you know, who's going to be the third starter? I'm curious to see what that looks like. And, you know, beyond the starting rotation and losing Doug Nikhazy and Gunnar Hoagland, they were pretty thin in the bullpen last year. Like they missed Max Chofi. Like they, they had guys struggle and couldn't get really struggled to get outs toward the end of the year. I mean, it's how Broadway started game three of the super regional. That may not be as indicative of the uh, bullpen struggles as it was Arizona's lineup, but remember how taxed and stressed they, or how much they used Broadway over the last, you know, four or five weeks of the season. Cause they didn't really have anyone they could trust. They could get outs, right? You, you survived that stretch where Mike botches the seventh inning at Texas A&M and then uh, the old Josh Mallett's uh, infamous debacle at uh, State. It became, okay, there's these two, three guys in the pen and that's it, and you were kind of hope to count on them. So Ole Miss needs to build you know, depth both in the pen and on the mound. I'm curious. I'd like to see what that looks like first. So I think I'm going to answer that with eight and four in football more likely. But the flip side of that is if they do pick, figure the pitching out, I mean, you have – 
you got arguably the best offense in the SEC and one of the best in the country. So if you do figure it out, sky's kind of the limit. I don't know if people don't necessarily want to hear that given the way the last couple of seasons have played out, you know, when it mattered the most. But if they do figure out the pitching, this is going to be a very good baseball team. But I, I, I sense some lethargy around the uh, baseball program, and I get it with good reason. I mean, come up one game short of Omaha each of the last two seasons, on 2020 notwithstanding. Um, but I don't know, context to everything. I don't think they were the better team in either of those games. But also, you know, got to look at the whole whole pie, whole career of Mike Bianco. There were other times where they were and didn't get through, a la 2018. And we can go back in the 2000s and revisit those. So interesting, interesting season ahead for Ole Miss. But I'm going to go with eight and four in football. Let's see. Keeping it moving here. My old radio cohort, Brian Haydad, checking in. For tomorrow, what's something the Premier League, something about the Premier League that you wished existed in American sports? That's actually a fascinating question and testing my pretend knowledge of the Premier League. I'll go with an obvious one. I'll go the relegation system. I think that's pretty cool where you have new teams coming in and out of, out of the, you know, premier league. I mean that like not actual the name of the league, but like the biggest league in uh, English football, uh, you have teams coming in and out every year. I know it's only two, but uh, I think I saw Bill Barnwell write about this recently. Like, are you completely convinced that the United States couldn't support like a 50, 60 team American football, like 50, 60 franchises. And then you have league one, league two, league three, and they get like the bottom two teams. Like what if the Jags got relegated and the Lions got relegated in favor of, I don't know, like Birmingham's professional football team. Like I think the support would be different if you knew they had a shot of going to the NFL. So like tell me Birmingham couldn't support a pro football team. Uh, I'm trying to think of a couple other, other markets that don't have one. It's tough off the top of my head. I mean, shit, San Diego and Oakland uh, to – to, to that immediately come to mind that recently had teams. I think St. Louis could support one. Um, trying to think of another, but you kind of get the point there, right? So, like, maybe 60, 70 is too much, but, like, 50? Could you have, like, a Tier 2 league with 20 and then you have relegation? I think that would be kind of cool. I think the relegation aspect is interesting. The other one I would go with with cups, I, it's confusing to keep up with as a soccer – or, excuse me, football amateur. Uh, that'd be English football. Weldon's always explaining to me the cup system to where, no, actually this isn't a Premier League game. They're doing the all London cup or Derby cup or whatever that shit is. It's confusing to keep up with, but I imagine particularly for sports like basketball and baseball and the NBA toyed with this idea, if I'm not mistaken, uh, kind of during some negotiations about how they were going to do the season amid COVID and all that with like a mid season tournament that counted for something. I think that could, uh, I think that could help uh, combat some of the, uh, some of the boringness and the mundaneness of both the basketball and baseball regular seasons. I mean, I like baseball more than the average guy, professional baseball that is, despite not really having a team anymore. Grew up a Cubs fan, but that kind of faded um, just as I got older. I don't really know why. Uh, I did cover Major League Baseball for a very brief second. That probably had something to do with it. But anyway, uh, with all that being said, like the regular season sucks. I like basketball. I like the NBA, but the regular season not a great product. And so I just wonder if you could do something to kind of spice up the, uh, the boringness of an 82 game uh, basketball regular season or an 162 game, which is just an absurd number, baseball regular season. Seasons are never getting shorter. They did it last year in the NBA because of COVID. What they had like 70 games, immediately went back to 82. Owners don't like less money and more games makes them more money. 
So that's not happening. So could you do like a cup or something? I don't know. I don't know how that would, what that would look like. Um, you know, the NBA, it seems like it would be hard to get guys to try. Hell, it's hard to get guys to try in regular season games. But some sort of cup, that in the rele- relegation system would be fascinating to me. I think relegation would work best with uh, football. That's American football, pigskin. Uh, common mistake on this podcast because we are a soccer English football pod as well. But I think that would probably be the best fit for that. That's, uh, that's something I would be interested in seeing. Probably never going to happen, but it's, uh, it's a fun thought exercise to say the least. Let's see. A fellow on Twitter named Bastard. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, I think I am. I say pretty much anything on this pod. Uh, checks it, checking in here. Thanks for listening, uh, bastard-like man. Twitter handle, just reading his name. Ole Miss football natty chances this millennium. So that's before the year 3,000? Yeah, that was testing my junior education there for a second. I had to just pause and Google that. I will fully admit that. Millennium. Thousand years seems pretty obvious now looking back on it. Uh, embarrassed I had to Google that in, in a thousand years. I'll say the odds are over 50%. I don't know. Are we still here in a thousand years? Like this is getting into some lot, wading into a lot deeper waters. But if you're giving me 3,000 years, or excuse me, a thousand years for Ole Miss, I guess we got about what 980, 978 left, 79. I would like Ole Miss's odds to sneak in a football national championship. That seems like a long time. Um, I got some news for you. This is uh, – I'm talking to some people around the program. I do not believe Lane Kiffin will still be at Ole Miss uh, in the year 3000. So, um, yeah, take that nugget and run to the board with it. I, I can – I feel pretty good about confirming that one. But with that said, does one of his successors win a national title? I imagine there'll be quite a few between now and 3,000. So I'm going to give Ole Miss a good shot of winning a national title. So congrats. Uh, Just stick it out and wait. Live as long as you can. I saw they just put a pig heart in someone. So we're all going to live to be 200, 300, 400 years old. So you got time. Let's see. We got a good one checking in here. Who is this guy? See, I always lose my place. Hold on. Matthew Munn checking in. Who is the first to leave Oxford, Lane Kiffin or Kermit Davis? Well, Lane lives in the Bahamas, so he already left. So I guess Lane, no, to, <laughs> to answer your question seriously, that's also a good one because, and I know basketball is probably not uh, the hot topic on people's minds right now uh, because of the way it looks and just the team really just not being very good. We're calling a spade a spade here. Um, how long does Kermit get? How long is this leash? Because now you've noticed what's, I don't even know if you could call this a trend. It's a problem that he doesn't recruit guys that score the basketball. He doesn't, he hasn't recruited anyone that has emerged into a consistent scorer that can put the pill inside the cylinder consistently since he's been at Ole Miss. Ole Miss has had offensive problems ever since Terrence Davis and Brian Tyree left. Like remember that Tyree was that stretch there in that, Kermit's second year so I guess that would have been 20 whatever the year the COVID year 2019-2020 season he was ridiculous at points uh, during the second half of that season particularly in the back half of conference play and Ole Miss still wasn't like a great team I would say more of their problems were um, defensive related than offense but they weren't like some offensive juggernaut and then it just slowly tapered off from there they really struggled first year after Tyree uh, 
Jar- uh, not Jarkel Joyner, excuse me, Devontae Shewer battled some injury stuff and just was really not as dynamic of a scorer as Bree and Tyree was. And then, I mean, last year, really not much different. Or I guess that would have been last year. It'd get the point. So he's got a problem on his hands. And Matthew Morrell had that one moment against uh, Mississippi State last Saturday night. But, like, if you're is Matthew Morrell all of a sudden going to be a 20-point-a-game guy or 18-point-a-game guy in the Southeastern Conference, I, I doubt it. I don't know. I mean, I guess the jury's still out. He's still young. And then Dacian Ruffin is probably the best candidate to do that. I've been really impressed with him in spurts with uh, the way he finishes around the rim, his vision. Um, he's he's very, he's very quick, and he finishes well at the rim and gets way fewer shots blocked for his size than I figured. So, like, he's got a chance, but he's a true freshman that's missed that missed most of the non-conference season with the wrist injury, I think it was. So, you know, I guess that could turn into something. But, like, in the day and age of the transfer portal, you, you can't have a year like this where you lose one guy and they're this inept offensively because – and I talked about a, this a little bit on the Wednesday podcast. It wasn't great when Joyner was out there. He's great as a spot-up shooter, but not really beating guys off the dribble and not consistently getting to the rim. That makes you easier to defend. So it wasn't great when Joyner was out there. So he's got a problem. So how long is his leash? I mean, if this continues this way this year, next year could get really dicey if things don't turn around and they're not good. So this makes this an interesting question. I will go Kermit Davis. I would say Kermit Davis, given the way things are trending, will be out before Lane Kiffin. Now, does Ole Miss go 9-3 and three next year and Kiffin takes another job and I look like an idiot? Sure, but given the way this coaching cycle played out, the jobs Kiffin coveted didn't really give him much consideration. Now, the NFL throws a little bit of a wrench in this. I don't think all of this Minnesota Viking smoke is completely nonsense. I think there is some merit to it I don't necessarily see Lane Kiffin uh, pairing up with Kirk Cousins next year um, and being the Minnesota Vikings head coach but you're starting to see kind of the NFL aspect and that possibility creeping in already what does that look like in a year if Ole Miss wins again probably intensifies I mean look at how many openings there are in the NFL right now and everyone's wanting to go offensive the day and age of hiring defensive guys as your head coach has really gone by the wayside and it's gotten to a point where that really working out. Look at Vic Fangio in Denver. Um, I guess Brandon Staley's a bit of an exception in, uh, in the, uh, the Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers, but he also inherited Justin Herbert on the other side. And not exactly, Brandon Staley's not, his approval rating, not exactly high right now. I don't know if you saw that Sunday night football game. So, you know, there's a demand for offensive minded coaches and the NFL's shown a willingness to dip down into the college ranks and get them. I mean, look, Urban Meyer didn't work. Like, that's a guy coming that was a career college coach. Cliff Kingsbury fired at Texas Tech and then gets the Arizona uh, Arizona Cardinals job. So, point being, they're more open to it. So, I actually think there's a better chance. Well, now I'm confusing myself. I'm still going to stick with uh, Kermit Davis going first because the other part of that point was Kevin didn't really – wasn't in the conversation for the college jobs that he sort of coveted Florida uh, LSU being one of them. And you just had a bunch of those open up in one year. And so I don't know what opens up next year. Again, we live in a wild, wild time in college football. So like it wouldn't stun me if, you know, three more came open that are of that caliber that I'm just not thinking about, but it's pretty clear on the college front. People kind of want to see more from Kiffin. They want to see him win for a couple of years before, you know, they kind of take, take a chance on everything that comes along with Kiffin from the personality and things like that. Not even necessarily anything nefarious, just 
Um, I don't know. There's a lot that comes with Kiffin. So it seems clear that it's kind of wait and see on him still as it pertains to college jobs. So I, uh, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go with Kermit Davis. I'm going to stick with my answer there. Um, because just the way things in hoops are trending, it's really not great. So maybe I'm wrong. That's a good question though. I appreciate the, uh, I appreciate the response there. Keeping it moving down the list. Got a few more of these to get to before we get to our picks. Let's see. Oh, here's one. We're always good for one of these. Actually, no one, uh, no one tried to put my brain in a pretzel. That became a Mailbag Friday tradition where it would just be some totally ridiculous question where neither option was great. This is in that neighborhood, but this one's a little more, uh, this one's a little more easier to decipher. Caleb Sailor's checking in. Would you rather have to wake up to five? To those of you new to this program, that's Mike Bianco. So would you rather have Mike Bianco yell at you each morning for a year or go a year without alcohol? I thought I was going to struggle with this one, but I'm not. Uh, I would rather uh, have Mike yell at me every morning. Uh, go in a year without uh, having beer. That sounds pretty, pretty boring. And honestly, I could use that to, uh, to cope with the fact that I have Mike yelling at me each morning. But honestly, you know, it would be pretty bad in February. But I feel like the yelling might lose steam and lose momentum by April and then completely backfire on him by June. I don't know why. I just have this sixth sense that that's possible. So he may not even make it the full year. I'm going to go uh, – I'd rather have five yell at me because uh, – couple times there towards the end, it just got to the point where all I could do is smile and laugh. So, um, I would say I, uh, I uh, have some pretty thick skin, thick scales when it comes to that. So I don't think that would bug me as much. So uh, I'll take the beer and have Mike yell at me. Um, so, yeah, pretty easy one there. Let's see. Going down the list, what's the best sandwich you ever ate? Well, I'm a former Nukes employee, so I'll have to check the paperwork upon my departure from Nukes and the contract I had with them. Am I allowed to answer this? Do I have to say Nukes? I don't know. We'll have to get the legal team on that and check. But uh, best sandwich? The I'm not really a sandwich connoisseur. I mean, I don't dislike sandwiches. Please don't confuse me with some sort of uh, freak. Are there people out there that don't like sandwiches? I don't know. Anyway, um, but – there's a pulled pork and a burn-in sandwich here at, uh, out in Fort Worth, Heim Barbecue. If you're ever in Fort Worth, I would recommend trying that. How about a little free advertising for Heim there? It's terrific. Um, I don't know. Patty Melt, Katie Trail Ice House, pretty good. That's probably Someone's going to listen to that and be like, are you kidding me? What a scrub answer. I think it's pretty good. Maybe it's the state of mind uh, that I'm in while eating it. Who knows? But uh, that always hits pretty solid. I like the Nukes Q. I'm not just saying that as a former employee. That's one of my favorite sandwiches. There's not a Nukes Q, or excuse me, there's not a Nukes like ultra close to where I live and kind of hang out. So like going to get one's kind of a pain in the butt. So uh, that's definitely one thing about uh, Oxford. I miss having a couple in town right there. Um, Nukes Q, that's a solid one. What I mean, how how far are the range of sandwiches here? Because uh, there is that classification of sandwich where you come in after a uh, late night, grab two things of bread, you know, hope the expiration date falls in line that's not going to kill you, and then pretty much any ingredient in your fridge and in your kitchen becomes oh, eligible to be put on the sandwich if you're picking up what I'm putting down. I think we've all been there before. Those are some pretty good sandwiches as long as you don't look the next morning and be like, I did what? What all went on that thing? Um so that's does that count? I don't think so. I'm not going to throw that in there. So I gave three pretty good answers there. There's probably something I was trying to think of an Oxford one that I'm leaving out. Um, 
I mean, I'm, Handy Andy's burger is something I crave quite a decent bit, but I don't think that counts. Um, so I'll, uh, I'll go with those three just off the top of my head, but I'm not exactly a uh, sandwich connoisseur. I don't know. PB and J at the beach. That's always a solid one. Beach sandwich that, uh, that's different. Uh, I'm going to need some more details on the rules of this, uh, ranking and, uh, answer system. So there we go. What did Ben Bert Bert? There's no way that's a real name. Oh, his bio says, yes, that is my name. I apologize, guy. Uh, that, wow, I thought that was for sure a joke. Bert, B-E-R-T, last name Bert, B-U-R-T. I'm going to need to see documentation. Is that real? That's wild if that's real. Uh, more power to you. I got to name people don't understand uh, three names. So uh, I, I feel you on that one. His question is, what did old mistress build in right field? This appears our man Bert Bird is a state fan, but I think this is a genuine question because I don't think old Miss fans are happy about that either. I, I don't know. You'll hear Greg mention it in a second. I think we discussed it briefly. I have no idea. Um, I knew there were Swayze renovations in the works. I don't know if this is a part of that. I probably should have done my research and looked into this more. I, I don't that surely that's not the luxury seating they were talking about in the outfield, right? I, I don't know. I saw I probably just like many of you saw a picture of that on Twitter yesterday and was like, okay, there's got to be some bigger backstory here, but it, it does not, there's not appear to be a bigger backstory. Old Mrs. Uh, like, I don't know what that is. That's, I mean, it looks like a temporary, I know people have made the jokes about it looking like a COVID drive through testing thing or like a wedding venue. It's exactly what it looks like. It looks like one of those temporary wedding tents where, you know, you walk out on that deck, I guess, that looks over the field now to, you know, bust a heater when you're trying to take a break from the dance floor. I, I don't know what that is. I would like to – can someone send me some information on that? I guess I could Google it. But I suppose that is part of the Champions Now deal because that they had a section that talked about, inc like, better seating for the students. Look, I guess on, like, a serious note, not to go to bat for whoever constructed such a thing, but, like – if it is increased seating for the students, like breaking news, I mean, fair, unfair, like it or don't like it, they're probably not going to make the seating for the students, like, I don't know, say as nice as the dugout club or something like that. And maybe that goes to the visual appeal too. I mean, you know, college kids tend to break stuff, not, uh, not really the, uh, the target demographic when you talk about nice things, a bunch of college kids with uh, sitting on coolers of beer. So maybe they just didn't really care about what it looked like. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I probably had the same reaction as most of you. It actually made me think of that scene in Wolf of Wall Street where the FBI agent is interviewing uh, one of Belfort's assistants, the rughead guy, and he's like, is that your real hair? And the guy gets, like, offended, and he's like, well, I'm just, just curious why you would wear something, such a thing. Like, why would you put that on your head? I had the same thought when I was like, why, <laughs> why would you put such a thing out there? I, uh, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I'd like to see maybe a look on the inside. Does it look as bad close up? I have uh, more questions than answers about what Ole Miss put in the outfield at this point. But, you know, at the end of the day, Trinity, it may end up being where the Trinity thing to do was dump on it online. It doesn't look great, but it may end up being useful. Hell, I don't know. Um, I will uh, RIP to the uh, row of porta potties uh, out there. Yeah. So if anyone wants to give me pictures on the inside of that and uh, help me understand what exactly it is, that would be helpful because uh, the, uh, the early reviews do not look great on that thing. Uh, let's see a couple more here. Make sure I don't, I miss like two or three, uh, people's holiday questions each time, which, which game show would you rather go on the price is right or wheel of fortune? 
I confession never really got into either one of those shows. There was like a stretch in college at like the fraternity house where one of those shows is always on and people got really into it. Uh, so I'll go the price is right. Cause I think the name's cooler, but uh, I really honestly don't know a ton about either one of those programs. That was just never really my cup of tea. I honestly see the, uh, see the appeal in it. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know much about that. Let's see. Best thing to smuggle into a football game besides booze? Uh, what else are you smuggling in there? I got my guy. I, I don't know. Uh, like, is dip not allowed? I thought like the name of the game was to smuggle in booze. You don't really have to do that now, right? Because with selling beer, I guess if you're in like the normal people seats and want uh, hard, like hard liquor, there may be some sneaking in. But I, I don't know. I, is there something I'm missing here? Uh, I don't know. I had a buddy that snuck in whiskey in his boot one time, got picked randomly to kick the extra point for free crystals for a year, kick, or excuse me, Abner's, kicked it, made it, and then he had to take his boots off to kick it, and then the cops confiscated his liquor there. Even after he made the kick, just completely unceremonious. That cut the guy a break and give him his brown water back. Um, but I think those day and age are over. I don't know what else you're sneaking into the game. Uh, I don't know, mustard, golf balls. I don't really, I don't really know. Um, trying to think, is there something obvious I'm missing here? No, I don't think so. I don't think, I don't know what else you would smuggle into a football game. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a great answer for you there. What is your take on Lane's seemingly extended fishing trip right now? I know everyone needs a vacation, but given the timing of everything with the coaching departures and recruiting, this seems like it would be a good time to be around. Um, yeah, I would say so. I would say that's certainly fair. I saw some push, not pushback. I saw some conversation about this on the board about, you know, I mean, I think a day after the national title, uh, Kirby Smart was still punching in the clock and he just reached the pinnacle of the sport and won it. I saw a video of him flying on a helicopter at some high school today. Look, I get it. Like the, you know, Ole Miss had an off season where you had a bunch of dudes leave on staff, you know, they got hit with the transfer portal pretty heavy. And then your coach is on an extended, uh, extended vacation in Bahamas while the guy who just won the national title, who's in the same conference as you is, you know, punching in the clock. I get the like why the optics would frustrate fans. I'm never one that's huge to like, not, no matter the industry, just like criticize, particularly in competitive industries like this, like when a guy takes vacation or takes a day off or whatever. Like I just, I don't know. Everyone has their own schedule. I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be benefit Lane Kiffin to do a good job at Ole Miss. Um, it, like, so it, I don't think there's any like lack of incentive for him to work hard. I don't think it's a thing where he thought he was getting the, you know, Vikings job and was like, you know what, I'm just going to go uh, kick it in the Exumas for a bit and uh, really just leave this whole, uh, you know, $7 million gig I have behind. I don't think that's the thinking, but I do understand the optics of it, right? I mean, you had a running backs coach leave that was pretty instrumental in recruiting. And, you know, from the sounds of it, from reading and listening to Neil and Chase, there was, because I, I, I admittedly, I didn't know much about the Kevin Smith situation. I'll never like bullshit you guys on something I don't know versus, uh, you know, trying to pretend like I do, but it sounds like him not being in Oxford might, I don't know if it would have stopped it. Right. Smith's a Miami guy. Uh, I mean, the move, like the move makes sense, but like Lane not being in Oxford certainly probably didn't help things in terms of like the counter to, to getting Smith to stay. So I get it. I, I, 
I don't necessarily think it's the greatest time to be taking uh, a vacation. But again, I don't know. I don't know the backstory of that. I don't know, like it was planned. I don't know how much work he's doing down there. I, I really don't. So like, I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world, but I, I will concede that it's not great optics. I'm assuming he's back for all the visitors they have on campus this weekend. Um, I think I saw him tweet something out earlier today, but with the amount of guys, they portal guys they have in town for visits this weekend and who they are, I am, uh, I am guessing he is no longer out fishing in the Exumas. So, you know, at the end of the day, maybe he knew this was the weekend they were coming in. I don't know. Um, I don't read a ton into it, but like as a, like a fan, if you're mad about that or upset about it, I'm not going to tell you you're insane. There's other reasons I could probably tell you you're insane, but that's not one of them because it's not great optics, dude. I mean, he lost another staff member. I, I, could I get a total? I'm trying to, I was trying to add it up in my head. How many staff members did he lose while in the Bahamas? At least one, maybe two. Anyway, I don't know. Not great optics, but I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world. Let's see. How does losing Kevin Morgan Montgomery checking in? How does losing Kevin Smith, Wilson Love, and Marquise Watson affect the program? <laughs> um, I mean, how much time do you have? I, I mean, it certainly affects the program. Look, I guess I'll just hit. I, you know, I wrote about this earlier in the week in the newsletter. I think I did a little bit on Monday, and I think I did some of this pre-Christmas with the whole uh, with the whole DJ Durkin thing, or excuse me, pre-Sugar Bowl. That is. Um, look, all these in a way are explainable, right? Jeff Lebby going to Oklahoma where he has 100% control of the offense um, is, I think, it makes sense. It's his alma mater. You know, if you don't buy into the autonomy of the offense thing, there was a podcast Matt Corral went on, I'm forgetting the name of it, but a couple of days ago where he talked about, you know, the collaborative effort between, you know, Lane and Lebby on play calls and stuff. And obviously two guys didn't agree a hundred percent of the time. And it sounds like at Oklahoma, he's going to have a hundred percent autonomy. I mean, those are Corral's words, not, not mine. The first part of that, I don't think Corral's an expert on what Lebby's day-to-day life is going to be like at Oklahoma, but like that's explainable. DJ Durkin to go to A&M as much as people don't like to hear it. It makes sense. He's going to work with better players more consistently in all likelihood and make more money and have better resources. So like, Actually, I don't know if he's making more money off the top. I would just assume that, but I don't want to talk out of my ass in that sense. But, like, you can explain these away. You know, some of the other ones are a little bit of a head scratch, right? Kevin Smith going, taking the same job at Miami. It's like, that's a lateral move on the surface. But then you look up and he's a Dade County guy. He was a you know, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty damn good running back at one of the high schools down there. I think Southridge High School had a great career in Orlando just up the road. So that's, like, home for him. But – I do think it speaks, you know, when you have a guy like that leave and then whatever happened with the Marquise Watson situation and him not, you know, being an on-field position coach at Ole Miss and having to go to Rutgers to do that, like it does raise questions about, you know, what is Lane Kiffin like to work for? I mean, there's all football coaches in some sense are hard to work for. Like Nick Saban, probably no walk in the park, but there's also different types. Like do you treat people like shit or are you just demanding? And I'm not accusing Kiffin of either, but I do think, as you're, I think what you're getting at with this question, when you lose position coach guys, you name Kevin Smith, Wilson Love, and Marquise Watson. I know Watson wasn't a position coach, but you know, non-coordinators is basically what you're getting at. Like, is it indicative of something else? I think it's fair to ask that because, again, you explain the Wilson Love thing away. Look at Oregon's facilities, right? Marquise Watson went and took what was a promotion from his current job, right? He's going to be the defensive line coach, I believe, at Rutgers. But I just wonder why 
that didn't happen at Ole Miss. I don't know whether it was offered to him or a possibility or not, but like, you know, when you promote Partridge from within and, you know, that guy, what uh, Watson, what he kind of brings in recruiting, you would think you'd kind of find a way to make that work. But again, I don't know the details of it. So it affects the program greatly. As I wrote about the other day, Kiffin's got a pretty good batting average when it comes to hiring assistants, but the more plate appearances you have, the better the odds are your batting average is going to go down, you know, unless you're like, I don't know, Ty Cobb or Tony Gwynn or something like that. And jury's still out as it pertains to Kiffin on that, but he is a good hirer. I don't even think that's a word. Good at hiring folks. Um, I don't know much about uh, Blackwell, who they just brought in, other than he worked with Kareem Hunt while at Toledo. But, you know, Kiffin's got a pretty good track record so far. And until it begins to not work out, if that's uh, proper grammar there, proper English, uh, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt in that sense. But I do think losing so many guys beyond the two coordinators is uh, is certainly going to affect the program just from a continuity standpoint. And continuity is rare in college football these days, but also I think it's more valuable than ever. Um, you know, I mean, look at what Clemson did in, uh, in a day and age where that doesn't really happen anymore, even at the programs that are winning at a high level. So I think it affects them, but I'd like to see what the, uh, what the appraise, uh, replacements look like before, you know, you make a final determination. Let's see, why are players, Morgan Montgomery checking in again? Why are players that are probably going to get significant snaps next year leaving? Well, who, who, does, like, who is in that boat? I mean, if you go down the list of the guys who left, Henry Parrish is one, but uh, he entered the portal right after Kevin Smith took the Miami job. Hmm. Where is Henry Parrish from? Hmm. Who was the reason Henry Parrish was at Ole Miss? Hmm. That seemed fairly obvious. Um, but outside of that, like, I mean, Snoop Connor went pro. Jaron Ely went pro. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to go down the list. I mean, Quentin Bivens, he was a contributor earlier in the year, but I wouldn't call him a guy that's going to see major snaps. If he was a major snap guy next year, Ole Miss is probably in a little bit of trouble. So unless I'm forgetting someone pretty obvious, I don't think there's any dudes that have left that are going to get quote unquote major snaps next year. There's guys that could probably play their way into having a major role, but you know, they're probably going to be you know, close to guaranteed that at their other stops. That's kind of the nature of this transfer portal and how college football works. Like I don't think Ole Miss has lost anyone Again, it's midday on a Friday. Uh, my brain's kind of fried at this point in the week. But, like, I, I don't think I'm forgetting anyone. I don't think Ole Miss lost anyone where my initial reaction, other than Parrish, that's an exception, but it also uh, circumstances around that it wasn't surprising, other than Henry Parrish to where you're like, oh, wow, like, what, what's his deal? What's up here? It's just kind of the natural attrition of the portal. So, like, I don't think – I think Ole Miss is fine there. It's just about replacing the guys they lost to, you know, graduation and going to the NFL more so than some mass exodus of players going to play at other programs that were going to be major pieces uh, on Ole Miss's 2022 team, if that makes sense. What's going on with Caden Costa? We covered this on the, uh, on the Rafters Music and Food postgame show in my appearance uh, after the Sugar Bowl. Kid was juicing, it sounds like. I don't know why. I don't know why kickers need to be on the gas. Maybe Mac Brown made him feel inferior. That guy's pretty yoked. I don't really know. But uh, I don't think Caden Costa, unless his suspension is overturned, will kick for Ole Miss next year. And I really don't have any sort of speculation beyond that. I don't know what that means for his career. But uh, he, uh, he had hot pee. And not the, like, marijuana hot pee kind, the PD hot pee. I don't think there's much uh, 
much else to decipher there. Um, I don't know how the appeals process works. I don't know if it's going to work. Doesn't necessarily sound like he has a ton of a case, but I suppose it's possible. But yeah, he, uh, he had dirty pee. That's what's going on with Caden Costa. Let's see, last couple here. I want to make sure I did not miss one of you guys because I'm always pretty bad about that. What's your favorite kind of grease? Uh, I don't know, the kind that makes the company I work for money. I always say I'm a grease salesman. We actually take cooking oil grease from places and turn it into renewable diesel. So I don't actually sell grease. I'd sell the idea of us letting us handling your grease. Um, sure, I'm sure that's the content that everyone came on this podcast for. So I'll just leave that one at that. I, uh, I don't have a favorite type. The kind that, uh, the kind that shows up uh, on the company's bottom line. I think that was all of the mailbag questions we had. Nope, we got one more. We got a submission from email, I think. No, where did this come from? Doesn't matter. How many PGA Tour wins will Mississippians have in 2022? I'll set the over under at one and a half. I mean, you've already got two of them that have registered top 10. You had Davis Riley register a top 10 at the Bermuda event. And then Hayden Buckley's got two by himself. And Chad Rainey, if he hadn't had a bad Sunday in Las Vegas, would have one. All four of those dudes, or all three of those guys they have on tour this year, the uh, native Mississippians on tour, have played well early part of the year. And look, it's going to be tough for rookies on the PGA Tour to get opportunities. That's kind of the name of the game. But look, if you're registering – you know, top 10s, top 15s, that's going to bode well for you at each reshuffle. And so they've done well to take advantage of the opportunities they've had so far. Davis Riley shot five under yesterday out in the Sony and was, you know, T16 after a day. Hayden Buckley was in red figures and so was Ramey. So you know, winning on this tour is hard, but actually I'll set the over under it a half. I think one of them might win. One and a half is ambitious. That's, that's, that doesn't add up. I'll set the over under at a half. I think one of them gets a win on tour this year. I hope they hit the over one and a half, but I'll go one. I think one of them wins and they get one total win, which uh, should be great to see. Mississippi, great public golf. Or excuse me, great golf at all levels. Uh, I think that was all of our Mailbag Friday questions. If I missed your question, I'm sorry. I went through Twitter mentions, emails, every avenue I'd normally take questions from, and I think I covered all of them. So, yeah. Thanks for participating in the People's Holiday. This has been Mailbag Friday. If you want to get your questions in next week, uh, you can hit me up on the board, email, Twitter, whatever. I usually send out a tweet the day before taking uh, questions. But uh, anyway, you want to get them to me, we will take submissions any time of the day, any day of the week. So thanks for t participating in the People's Holiday. Let's get to NFL wildcard weekend picks with LB's Greg, plus some LB's breaking news. All right, we now welcome on Greg the Meat Sharp Jones after a very brief reprieve during uh, bowl season. I was going to get you on for week 18 in the NFL but I, and 17, but I was traveling, and then I had an interview conflict last week, and I was like, we'll just hold it for the playoffs. We are fresh off a uh, hard-fought defeat to Skybox in the bowl picks. Skybox went and crushed it in the bowl pick -em. We didn't do too bad finishing, you know, both finishing over 500, but um, – you know, Skybox, they're the professionals. You've been on the Skybox game, it sounds like, lately because last weekend they had a weekend to, uh, to absolutely remember. They went up 50 units in two days. That seems good. Yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, definitely paying the bills, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, um, got, got, uh, I think they got uh, – well, yeah, they got hammered, yes, two days ago. And 
yesterday. I don't know. I mean, you know, it happens. It's not called – it's called gambling for a reason. That's why. <laughs> it's not called winning. Exactly. But they're the only ones that are going to consistently lead you to profit. But that's not going to be uh, – that's not going to be for lack of trying. I think the only goal – is to somehow top a 50-unit weekend this weekend in the NFL playoff games. I'm pretty confident in our abilities to do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, shoot them if you got them. What's uh, what's been up with you the last couple weeks? We made it into the new year, uh, LB's 2022. I got a couple of requests about whether you're actually opening a Madison store. Did we start that rumor on the podcast? Where did that come from? Uh, Actually, that is not a rumor anymore. That's actually uh, pretty true. So. uh, Oh, what? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I just uh, we're hoping that it's going to be open uh, around eight, the beginning of April. Uh, it's going to be on Glugstadt Road, um, right off the Glugstadt exit, and uh, you know where uh, the, that Shell station is. Yeah, across the street from the Shell station, there's a liquor store and uh, a Baptist Health Center. So we're going to be in the Baptist Health Center right across the street from that liquor store. How about that? Just breaking news on this podcast. What odd? I mean, we got to stop there. Where do, when did this come about? When did you decide to pull the trigger on this? Uh, I mean, I've been – I mean, obviously, uh, you know, it's uh, kind of been in the works and been wanting to do something. I just – you know, with COVID and everything going crazy and everything, it's just, uh, you know, uh, trying, to, trying to get by with everything. But, uh, yeah, man, we've been in the works with it and uh working on it and uh signed a lease the other day and uh so yeah man i just got the building um uh the, the layout for the building and what where everything's gonna go and uh like i said hopefully uh hopefully april 1st uh be a good april fools uh for sure that's uh that's awesome on a serious note i remember we did a podcast a couple weeks during a couple weeks into the initial quarantine right back in the spring of 2020 and, like, I mean, at the time, we were, like, trying to be lighthearted about whatever it is we were talking about. I think it was, like, horse racing or we – no, we took grill – I think it was when we started Grill Corner, which yeah, yeah. Sense, there's nothing to talk about. But, like, I mean, we were we didn't know what to think. Like, as you as a small business owner are pretty concerned, but I imagine a year and a half into this thing to where the result is you opening up a second location has got a pretty big – pretty big uh, sigh of relief and then satisfaction at the same time. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, uh, you know, and I, I think an LB should be in every, you know, town. I mean, there's yeah. uh, 50 states. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I just think that, you know, with that being said, you know, there's people out there that like enjoy cooking, you know, and uh, when you go to the Walmarts and Kroger's, it's just, you know, stuff that just, I don't know, man. But yes, uh, it's, it's very, uh, it's very, you know, grat- gratifying and, what uh, like I said, it's just a lot of stress. But you know, once we get it rolling and get everything taken care of, uh, it should take off, and we should do it really well. So it's very exciting, and uh, like I said, it's a it's a blessing uh, with all from all the hard work and all the good customers that we have. I mean, you know, we have such a good customer base from Jackson to Dallas to Nashville to Memphis to um, you know just everywhere around, and uh, it's just you know. Kind of help uh, you help a lot because we always talk to you know Ole Miss fans and uh, they they always know you know first thing to do when you come into Oxford is uh, come come to LBs and get that steak. Hell yeah, it's a terrific product. There's a reason we've had multiple listeners uh, that live out of state ask if you're going to open up some delivery service. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's next on the horizon. But it sounds like yeah. you have enough going on. 
Um, LB, LB shipping. <laughs> well, we did declare war on Kroger, so do we have to give them a big old eat shit now that you have a second location? You should have yeah, I mean, you know, Kroger and Madison. Is that possible? Well, um, you know, actually, um, the Gluckstadt exit, they're building a uh, Sullivan's. Uh, so it's kind of like a mom, it's kind of, it's like a mom and pop grocery store. So, uh, yeah, everybody, instead of going straight to Bozeman Road to go to that Kroger in Madison, you just literally can take a left and go to LB's and then, you know, get, a, uh, get your little local grocery store at Sullivan's too. That's awesome. So what's, uh, what are we looking at timeline wise for opening? Uh, I mean, hopefully April 1st. I mean, you know, that's, uh, we've, you know, we've got the plans and everything like that. So. We're shooting for April 1st. Uh, you know, it's just uh, we're going to uh, certain things. I mean, you know, it's going to be a, basically the exact same thing as in Oxford as it is in Bugstat. So, uh, yeah, man, it's going to be pretty exciting. I'm, uh, I'm excited about it just because, you know, it's going to be a brand new building, you know, brand new coolers and everything like that. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're excited about it. It's just, you know, a little nerve wracking, but, you know, because I can't, Oxford's numbers and Gluckstadt, you know, Madison is just two different numbers and you can't base it off of, you know, the Oxford numbers, but hopefully it's going to be good. Uh, I've been told that, you know, over 10,000 people travel that Gluckstadt road a day. So that's a, it's a pretty good chunk of people. There we go. Happening sooner rather than later. Well, hopefully after this weekend, you will not have to uh, work because we will have made so much money off of all these picks, or maybe the listeners will be rich because they faded us. Who's to say, We've got uh, what I think is truly the best time of the year. I think this wild card weekend and the divisional round are two of the greatest sports weekends of the year just because the games always deliver. They're always awesome. As much as people want to dump on the NFL, I mean, my God, that Sunday night football game with the Chargers and Raiders with the tie in play was just, uh, was just absolutely insane. Like, the NFL delivers from a product standpoint more consistently than any other sport on earth. Uh, you know, maybe outside of soccer, I just, as much as we pretend, I don't really understand that as much. Um, but uh, it's, it's always delivers, and I love these two weekends. Don't get me wrong, the AFC-NFC Championship Super Bowl is good stuff too, but I just like having on two games a day for two days, and now we get a Monday night game. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it is a good time of year. Uh, uh, by the way, um, uh, what's, your, what's, your, what's your soccer team? Are you a Spurs fan? No, I went with the uh, the – uh, the bees, the Brentford bees, because they were owned by a sports handicapper and a bunch of dudes that are into analytics, is what I was told. Unless Weldon lied to me. Yeah, uh, Brentford's. Yeah, they they're good. They've they've done some good transfers. Uh, they've you know bought some good good part players and everything. Uh, my whole city uh, donkey tigers are uh, are getting taken over. So uh, we we're getting new owners. That's right. Didn't they try to change the name? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a famous video of, of our, our owner saying that he will sell the club for $1 if, you know, if, if he doesn't get the name changed. And uh, he literally stuck around for like four and a half years after he said that. That doesn't, uh, that doesn't seem like a great, great owner there. How did you become a whole city fan? Well, I was, you know, you know how the Red Sox are, are tied in with Liverpool. So if you're a Red Sox fan, obviously you're going to be a Liverpool fan. So I just uh, was hoping that the Detroit Tigers would, would associate themselves with the whole city Tigers. So, uh, oh, I like that. Just Tiger. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I really had an option. I had, and they were getting promoted. They were newly promoted uh, the year I actually picked them. And um, they were get they were promoted with uh, Leicester City. So I literally 
should have picked Leicester City, but I didn't. But uh, I, I kept with the Tigers. So I like that. Um, what did you think of the Sunday night game? Did you watch? That was some of the cra- that was one of the crazier sporting events, regular season sporting events I've seen in a while. Uh, and I say that just be, I mean, it was a fantastic game. There's been, you know, as good or better football games. I'm not trying to do a hot take you on that. But just the fact with the, the tie in play, the weird timeout late that didn't really end up mattering, but the Sunday night broadcast didn't know what to do. So they kind of stoked the flames when it came to the Brandon Staley timeout. Like, that was just bizarre. What did you think of it? It was bizarrely <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'm sitting here. I'm like. Uh, watching I'm like is this really I mean I think I said that like two or three times watching that game I was like is this really happening or like how is this well you know it's just but yeah man like you were saying the NFL towards the end of the year always delivers on some good games and good conference games like that I have a story so Wednesday night I was at uh, the Dallas Stars game they were playing the Seattle Kraken Uh, there's actually a gentleman sitting next to me with the jacket I guess a Kraken is like a shrimp did you know this no, a kraken is an octopus, I think. Oh, that's what it was on his head. I spent the entire time thinking that was a shrimp. A very, uh, <laughs> very liquored up gentleman with the gigantic uh, octopus or octopus. I guess it's just one octopus on his head screaming, let's go kraken in a pretty well uh, populated stars game. Uh, so that was funny. But we were sitting, so I was sitting down in the seats and uh, we were. Um, so uh, MC got up to go get a beer and go to the bathroom or something. And she's gone like 25 minutes. And I was like, what the, like we were with two, uh, two other people. And I was like, what is she doing? Like she get lost. And she comes back and she goes, what about the, uh, what about the chargers timeout? And like, she looked like she'd seen a ghost. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, cause she doesn't really watch football. And I was like, what, yeah. like, what's going on here? And she was like, two uh, chargers. Like, is that LA? And I was like, yes. She's like two chargers fans started arguing about some time out in line and beat each other up and they closed down the concession stand I was at. Just oh, got tied in the middle of a hockey game. Just two random Chargers <laughs> fans. That sounds like a story like one would make up for like internet cloud. Uh, I think people listening probably know me better than that at this point, but I was just floored <laughs> by that. I was like, what do you, what do you mean? And she was like, yeah, they, they started fighting like the cops intervened and then they put the little screen down in front of the concession stand. So I had to go to another line. What a, what a wild con. Yeah, I mean, you know, something about hockey games and, uh, and, and sports just bring out the best in you. Know. But, uh, yeah, I was th- speaking of internet, I was thumbing through the Twitter and saw the, the, the greenhouse over there that they built in uh, right field at Swayze. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I saw a picture of that today after I got off work. I, I don't Surely that's it. not real. It, it apparently is. I saw a second confirmation of like someone that went up in person, like much closer to it. And I think the wording was it's worse in person, which I could see. I, I don't under, I don't understand that. Are they going to host events there? Is that going to be a wedding reception venue? Or they, like, you <laughs> Somebody know? said it was a COVID testing facility. <laughs> it's what it kind of looks like. Like you're going to take drive. Through. I just, I, when, you know, I heard, I think I saw like a Mike Bianco tweet or something in the off season, or maybe Chase said something about like luxury seating out in the outfield or planned expansion. Maybe, I don't know if that's what they're talking about is luxury seating, but whatever it was, that's not what I had in mind. I am a, what is that? Well, I'm hoping that they, you know, maybe put some TVs in there and maybe, you know, maybe put a, you know, some, a bar, <laughs> Uh, just you know something because you know half the people that are out there in right field they don't even watch the game they're just there because their friends are there so uh, <laughs> that would be ideal if they you know kind of set up a 
a, a bar and, you know, some TVs in that place. So I don't know. It literally looked like a tent from the, um, from the uh, Sanderson farm. <laughs> they literally like they, you know, stole one of the tents from Sanderson farm and put it in right field at, at Swayze. That's uh that's yeah. I, I don't know. I'd like to see that in action first before I jump to reaction, but uh, wild, wild times. The last thing I have before we get to the picks, the two chargers dudes that, like, if you're getting in a fight at a completely unrelated hockey game on a Wednesday, what do you think those two dudes do on the weekends? What does their Saturday look like? Oof, man, I would think uh, maybe shooting fireworks out of their mouth or something, or something, something crazy, or th- uh, crushing beer cans on their head, or well, I, I don't know. That that's that's pretty rowdy right there. That is uh that is next level. Let's uh what is going to be next level? Hopefully is these uh these games this weekend and I'm looking forward to it. Let's get right into these picks. The first one we're going to open up with uh what used to be called the I think people used to call this the Scaries game if I'm not mistaken. It was the it was always the ESPN game and for so many years it was just a crappy AFC game. Like how many Bengals Texans or like Bengals Jets or yeah. uh, Raiders games do we get here is always the Monday night crew ESPN always got stuck with the crappiest game that is not the case this year and it's also not an ESPN game the first game we're going to have tomorrow or excuse me yeah tomorrow by the time people are listening to this uh, will be the Bengals and the Las Vegas Raiders this is the NBC Sunday night football well, actually I don't know who this is going to be because they have the actual Sunday night game doesn't really matter um, Bengals Raiders and it is Cincinnati at home, minus five and a half against the Las Vegas Raiders who get in via the win last week. They could have got in via tie. Crazy game. Credit to Derek Carr and everyone else on that Raiders team. They've gone through a lot this year um, in terms of, you know, the John Gruden thing, weird losses. But they went and they beat the Colts on the road down the stretch. And they won a game against the Chargers at home to get in. So they earned it. And then the Bengals won a division where it seemed like everyone else in that division just fell apart. What uh, do you have a lean here? Um, uh, man, you know, I, I, I think you know the Joe Burrow story is always a good story. I mean, I think if he doesn't win comeback of the year, I mean, I know Dak probably is is him. It's him and neck, neck and neck for that. But man, I just I like this Raiders story. I think they've just they they shown character and everything like that. And I think I'll take the points and just you know hope for a field goal um, uh, to either win it or lose it. I think I'm with you. This is I don't I don't have any sort of lean on this one at all. This is tough because I think I'm with you on that one. I think Cincinnati is better. Like there's certainly a version of this game that goes by like uh, Burrow and Chase just torching that secondary and the Bengals winning like, you know, 42-17 or something. But like, and that shouldn't be understated, but you mentioned comeback player of the year. He and Jamar Chase being a top five receiver in the NFL as a rookie is a wild storyline and connecting with this college uh, quarterback. The Bengals are good. Joe Burrow is good. They run the ball well. But uh, I guess to kind of counter that, to get back to what I was saying, they also do a lot of dumb stuff. Like, they had the Chiefs win in the second-to-last week of the uh, season. Um, they didn't play their starters in Week 18, but that was nice. That kind of stamped the division. But that was a team that probably could have been, like, 11-5 and five or, like, 12 – or, excuse me, 12-5 and five or, like, 13-4, and four, honestly. But they do a lot of dumb stuff. And I'm just not betting against the Raiders. So, I think I'm going to take a five-and-a-half, but I don't have a feel for it. I think Cincinnati wins the game. But, again, they do too much stupid shit, honestly, for me to take them as a five-and-a-half-point favorite. 
Yeah, I just think you got to take points, you know, here in these playoff games. You know, it, it's just if they're tightly tightly contested battles, and I think that, you know, I would just rather, rather have those points in this situation. Yep, and while uh, the last couple of years, I don't have the numbers directly in front of me, but I, I know this from one experience and two, I uh, read something about it a while back. Uh, the wild card, the underdog in the wild card weekend, really underdogs in general in the NFL have crushed it this year, but the last couple of years, the underdogs and wild card weekend have uh, done quite well. Two years ago, they won every single game, um, or excuse me, covered every single game. Uh, let's see. Oh, Bills Patriots, a nice little uh, Sunday night, uh, Saturday night action here. I read earlier today, for what it's worth, that the most public money going one way this weekend uh, is in favor of the Buffalo Bills minus four. This game is in Buffalo. These two kind of battled back and forth in the, for the division. The Patriots won that weird Monday night game where Mac Jones threw three passes. And it looked like they had the division pretty much locked up. Then Josh Allen goes off six or four weeks later in New England. I always thought Buffalo was the better football team if they figured it out. But this is a fascinating game. Um, Buffalo minus four. Do you have a lean on this one? Man, I, 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 I'm going to go straight underdogs on, on all this. I just feel good with, the, with taking the points. I mean, I know that, um, you know, uh, Buffalo kind of ran over New England last uh, last game. But, um, you know, uh, w when it's playoff time, it's just uh, for some strange reason, it's almost like taking saving. You know, you just got to take uh, take the smarter side. So I'm gonna take Billichak here. I can't. I, I'm. I can't get a feel for this because I know Buffalo's better. They certainly. Yes, I mean, like it, it. It's like one of those nine time out of ten games that Buffalo wins nine times out of ten. But the one time that they lose is probably the one time that, you know, it means the most kind of situation. I think I'm with you because that's another thing. Buffalo doesn't run the football well, and they don't even really try to. And that was the case last year when they made the AFC title game. So it didn't – like you could argue it didn't really matter. But this year it's been worse. And their offensive line hasn't blocked for Josh Allen very well. So – I think I'm going to go with you. I think I'm going to go with the New England Patriots plus four. Belichick in the playoffs, they'll have some souped-up game plan where they will be uh, pretty screwed down. They're coming off a loss in week 18 to Miami. That was a bad loss. I think I'm taking the Patriots here, and I might take a gander at the money line because I think Buffalo is a better team. But I'm probably going to take the better coach and the team that can run the football and the uh, better defense. Buffalo's defense is not bad by any stretch, but um, it's not – it's definitely not what New England's was for about fourteen of those seven or fourteen of those eighteen weeks. So I am, uh, I'm going to go with you on that one. I'm going to take the New England Patriots. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying uh, they'll they'll figure out a way to where Josh Allen's on the sideline and they're you know and that that just controlling the game with running the ball. Uh, you know, Matt Jones. I mean, did he end up throwing three times in that game? Uh, yes, three, I believe, total. And, like, I think you're right. There's, like, that's, there's so many versions of that where you look up at, like, midway through the second quarter and New England's up 13-3 to three despite, like, I don't know, Buffalo, like, outgaining them or one of those deals where it was, like, Buffalo's only run two plays and we're almost to halftime or something absurd. Yeah, I, like I said, I just uh, uh, just trust, trust, trust the, having the points in this thing. I, uh, I agree with you. I haven't loved either of these so far. This last one I think I do like. Kansas City, the Saturday – or, excuse me, sorry, I've jumped the shark there. Those are the only two Saturday games. We get three on Sunday and now one on Monday. So, honestly, I'm not really big on the Monday night thing. I actually liked it when it was three games and three games. Like, by Monday, I'm kind of tired out of foot, 
tired out on football, not tired of football, but kind of worn out. I don't need a Monday night game in the playoffs. I kind of like the three and three they had last year. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, you know, it's just like that Monday's almost a stretch. Yeah, and it's a good game. Rams Cardinals is going to be awesome, but I don't know. I just, I'm not, I would rather have three each day, particularly three on a Saturday. But anyway, um, starting out the first Sunday game, Tampa Bay hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia gets into the wild card, and I guess you got to give Jalen Hurts some credit for, you know, winning enough games. And I just still don't think he does a lot with his legs, excuse me, a lot with his arm, but he does enough with his feet to, uh, I guess, keep people, uh, keep people honest. And they were like 0-6 against playoff teams, but won nine or ten games. I don't know they won against non-playoff teams. And they're at least there. This is Tampa minus eight. And Tampa's without Antonio Brown, obviously. Mike Evans, I believe, was banged up. I don't know what his status is for this game. But a, bu- a Buccaneers team that wasn't playing well to end the year. Um, I'll go first on this one. I don't think it matters. I think they crushed them. I think Tampa Bay is much better than Philadelphia. And I'm not going to overcomplicate this. I'm going to go Tampa minus eight. Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of kind of like what you just said, you know, don't complicate it, you know, just take the, the better team here. And, uh, you know, just Brady play all time, you know, regardless of Antonio Brown antics or not, you know, uh, you just you, you just uh, use, your, use your smart brain here and uh, use your smart side on this and not your wrist side. But, uh, yeah, just take the, take the uh, Buccaneers all day long on this. Yeah, I – I don't, I don't know what this was earlier in the week. I would have liked to have seen that. But, like, part of – I mean, I guess, like, this game either feels like, like Philly wins it outright or, like, or like Tampa wins by 30 or something like that. I just – again, another one I don't really have a uh, – I have, have a great feel for, which maybe is probably the best way to go because when I have a great feel for some of these games, I end up losing terribly. But I don't know. If you could tease Tampa down with something else and get them down to minus one, that's probably the play on this game. But I think they win this by 10 to 14. Um, weird year in Philly because I still don't think anyone, like, loves Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. I don't think they hate him. But, like, what are you going to do? you going to bench him after he got you to the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, you know, and uh, it, <laughs> uh, that defense is, you know, sketchy good sometimes. I mean, you know, it's just – Man, it's just hard to uh, have a complete football team. And, you know, with that being said, I like Jalen Hurts, but um, is he an NFL quarterback? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't think – I mean, he's a not a lower-level NFL quarterback. Yeah, he's limited. But they're – like, he doesn't turn it over that much. And so, they're uh, – I will give him this. There are worse quarterbacks in the NFL that do worse things. That is for sure. Uh, one of them being his predecessor, Carson Wentz, who actually had a great year. But, God, it just doesn't look great. Um. All right, midday game on Sunday, the candidate for the game of the weekend. Nice historical NFL matchup, too. It's Cowboys-Niners. Um, if you were Dallas, you would have really, really – I don't know how the seeding would have shaked out, but you would have really loved uh, the L.A. Rams not to have allowed San Francisco to pretty much had six feet under and most of the dirt buried on them come back from the dead to make the playoffs. I don't know who Dallas would have played in this game. I don't think it would have lined up linearly where the Saints played. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it would have been Saints-Cowboys. But either way, I think if you're Dallas, you would have pretty much rather have drawn anyone other than San Francisco. This game is in Dallas, 3.30 Sunday afternoon. It is Dallas minus three over uh, over San Francisco. I'll let you go first. This is the one I feel most confident about. I, I like San Francisco. I mean, I think they're just the most dangerous team out there. And, uh, you know, like you were saying, I don't think anybody wanted to play San Francisco if they got in because, 
you know that um that, uh, um I just they just they just play solid ball and that that Samuel can can break you break you down real real quick so I'm just gonna go with uh with the underdog here kind of stay stay stick to my guns here I'm with you all the way it's gonna be interesting for Debo Samuel how they classify him in fantasy next year because like not a running back per se but how they give him 15 carries a game like I, I don't yeah. wonder how they're going to classify him because I had him in one of my leagues and he became like the most valuable fantasy player possible because like Shanahan used him as a running back and he was good. Um, I'm with you on this. I like San Francisco. I don't really like what I've seen from Dallas on the second half of the year. And if you look at who Dallas beat early on, it wasn't a whole lot of good teams. I think San Francisco's good when healthy. They had a weird stretch where Jimmy G was banged up. They had some defensive guys out, and you were like, "Is this team actually? Do they suck?" They've been good, uh, particularly over the last six weeks of the season. If they made the NFC Championship game, it really wouldn't stun me. They play good defense. They run the ball. And, you know, they've already gotten to a Super Bowl with Jimmy G, whatever you think about him as a quarterback. This, to me, has – I'm going to take the coaching staff here, too. Uh, Kyle Shanahan over Mike McCarthy. Give me that every day of the week. I think San Francisco wins this game outright. Yeah, and I can just uh, just see the cowboy tears coming, you know, uh, as we speak. Yeah, that, this is that's just a t- – I mean, look, if you're a real Super Bowl contender, you'll handle any team at home in the playoffs. That goes without saying. But, man, that's a tough matchup for Dallas uh, to draw in round one. That's going to be an awesome game, though. I think that's going to be close. I just kind of like San Francisco to pull that one out late. Um, Let's see. Uh, Sunday night game, kind of a snoozer here. This is Chiefs-Steelers. It's Chiefs minus 12-and-a-half. We saw this play out in Arrowhead two weeks ago – or, yeah, week 17, the week after Christmas – they got absolutely blown out. Big Ben limps into the playoffs after, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's cool that his career's lasting another week. Don't get me wrong. But they have the thrilling win over Baltimore, and then you don't get the tie in the Sunday night game, so the Steelers get in the playoffs. But I just don't see Kansas City. I think this is a blowout again. Maybe I'm wrong. Big Ben did the whole uh, nobody believes in this thing. We're just going to go out there and have fun uh, on the uh, – on the um, – excuse me, on the, in his press conference this week. But, and people are like, oh, the Steelers are going to be dangerous. Now, I don't necessarily buy that. Uh, I, I think this is a blowout. I'm not going to overcomplicate this. I'm not sure I'd play this, but I'm going to take Kansas City minus 12, tease it down to like five and a half. Could you do like Kansas City minus five, Tampa minus one? How's that sound for a teaser? Yeah, for sure. And then you can throw in um, San Francisco and tease it up and, uh, you know, and, and – uh, I mean, you know, I think that's a nice little three-game teaser for sure. Yeah, I. Uh, so do you have a lean on the game? Are you going? Uh, to... Yeah, I, I, you know, it's just uh, you, you just take the better teams in these playoff games. I mean, you know, B- B- Pittsburgh's really kind of looked kind of sketchy the whole year. So uh, he, they haven't showed me anything to where I think that they can go in and me put a money line bet on them. So. Uh, yeah, I just think Kansas City rolls here. You just you just got to swallow the points. I think so, too. I think this could be close for a quarter or a quarter and a half because Pittsburgh's defense, particularly their pass rush, is pretty good. And you maybe they get up like 7 nothing, but I just think they're not going to be able to score enough for that game to be that close. Maybe I'm wrong, but that one seems like a snoozer for the Sunday night game. The last one we get here is the uh, Monday night football playoff game that I just spent a bunch of time dumping on how I didn't want it. But it's a great game. L.A. Rams minus four at home against the Arizona Cardinals. You know, a lot – I felt like most of the people this past week were talking about the 
the Niners, like the Rams choking that game away and the Niners getting in the playoffs or whatever on that terrific drive by Garoppolo in their offense. No one talked about the fact, or at least I didn't see it, that with Arizona, so the Rams losing, all Arizona had to do was beat uh, Seattle at home to win of the division, and they let Russell Wilson come in there and pummel them. They had the division up for grabs. If, I know they didn't know the result of that game, but all they had to do was beat Seattle at home, and they would be playing this game at home, and they didn't do it. Like, that doesn't seem great. But yeah. uh, it is uh, L.A. Rams minus four. What do you, uh, what do you got here? Man, I I like the Rams here. I just think uh, you kind of go uh, when you're trying to you know handicap games like this. And you just you know you got to look at the the last three games of the season, and you kind of got to look at the coaching staff too. And I just think McVay's a little bit you know give McVay the advantage over Kingsbury, you know. And um, I just like the Rams here. I'm with you. I don't have a great feel for this one either. You know, they, they played this crazy Monday night game a couple weeks back where the Ram, like the Cardinals were better, but they had a couple early turnovers and then they turned it over on downs a couple of times. And that's honestly the way that game played out is the exact same exact reason why I'm going to take um, the Rams here because the Cardinals are not very well coached. They do kind of like the Bengals. They do a lot of dumb stuff. And as talented as Kyler Murray is, I'm just not trusting Cliff Kingsbury Plus, the Rams are all in on this year. Like, the, the the owner wanted them to play in the Super Bowl in his home stadium. Like, they went all in. They don't have draft picks in the first couple rounds for, like, something ridiculous, like three, four years. Like, this is it for them. They have the better quarterback. I don't see them losing this game. And they don't make many mistakes. And like you mentioned, McVay versus Cliff Kingsbury in the playoffs, I don't really see that as a discussion unless we're uh, – ranking it as, like, who would be a better bachelor candidate, then we might have an argument. But as far as football coach, um, I'm taking McVay every day of the week. So, I like the Rams minus four. Yeah, I think you can uh, throw that in your on your teaser, you know, tease that down. And uh, so, if you're going to do a four-game teaser, I would think that you do uh, San Francisco up, L.A. down, uh, Kansas City down, and what was the other one? Uh, Tampa. Yeah, Tampa down. Yeah, I think that that's a that's a nice little teaser. I think so too. What's dangerous is that we agreed on every pick. Yeah, no, that's that's good. It's 2022. You know, we're uh, we're we're starting a new year. You know, so we'll see that's what we can. Bad news for us on how the games play out, though. <laughs> hey, you know, it is what it is. You know, that's why you like I said, that's why it's called gambling and not winning. There we go. That is it. I uh, appreciate Tom. As always, you'll be back next week. We'll do the divisional games. Check him out. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Check out Skybox. They're obviously not giving away these games because this is what their clients pay for, but they'll have free plays on the site, and you should sign up and win money because they are as hot as anyone. Appreciate the time, dude. Looking forward to the new location, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man. All right, that's our show. I appreciate Greg's time. Thank you for making it to the end. If you're still here, I really appreciate you making this a part of your day. We'll be back to the three podcasts regularly scheduled programming next week. I promise you that. I have some hoop stuff on Sunday, maybe something else in between, still working on a couple ideas. But uh, we'll have Monday, Wednesday, Friday show back to normal for, uh, for all the people out there. Thanks for listening. Excited about what uh, we got coming on the pod in 2022. And uh, you people have a wonderful weekend.